This is a podcast from the Business Times. Sounds good. Plus, don't just drink the stuff. Invest in whiskey and enjoy double-digit returns. Hang on. Do you know what you're doing? Sure, it's an attractive alternative investment like property and gold. But it's like someone once said to me... And the risk is really that you are just one drunken party away from poverty. Sobering words, I suppose. Whiskey investing. Anything there for us to pad up the retirement fund? Welcome to Money Hacks, a podcast series by The Business Times, where we explore useful financial tips to help you on your money-managing and wealth-growing journey. I'm Howie Lim, and we get help from Anthony Chang, co-founder and CEO of Vinovest, and Maxwell Nee, managing partner of the Owino Wine and Whiskey Investment Fund. According to consultants Knight Frank, Investment in rare bottles of whiskey have been more profitable over the past decade compared with high-end cars, fine wines, and luxury watches. And this amber-hued spirit, liquid gold as it's being called these days, is no longer just a beloved drink and a cultural institution. Maxwell Nee once walked away from a property investment opportunity, despite having paid the down payment. Yeah, he didn't get it back. In that instance, he felt that property could be a trap, as it's not liquid and it could be hard to get in and out of compared to the stock market. I guess his new venture is pretty liquid and profitable. People have been using it as a storage of value for a very long time, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. And it runs its own race because there's a natural life cycle and they're consumable. So, for example, if there's 50,000 casts made in your vintage that you invest in, 20 years later, there might only be 100 of those left. So there's a natural life cycle for these things to be consumed. And every time they're consumed, the net asset value of all the other casts or bottles in the market generally go up because they become more scarce. So all those fundamentals put it in its own race. You know, stocks and shares and cryptocurrency and real estate doesn't work like that. It's only the consumable assets like wine and whiskey. And here's Anthony Chang, co-founder and CEO of Vinovest, which is also involved in wine investing. Interesting inflection point in the whiskey investing space, especially in the American market, because of specifically the exports. So scotch and I think Japanese whiskey to an extent have been extremely global in the past 10, 20 years. But American whiskey has primarily been made and consumed in America. Last year, we saw... U.S. whiskey and spirits exports up 30% year over year, and over $2 billion worth of whiskey was exported to foreign markets. So what we're seeing is that more global players and global palates are starting to take to American whiskey. So we've seen a lot of growth from the supply side amongst America's biggest brands in their sort of preparation to be able to handle an international market. Is it a case of a rose by any other name? Might it be the same as investing in wine? Whiskey, unlike wine, only ages in the barrel, in the cask. So when you bottle whiskey, you have to bottle the whole barrel. A barrel might equal 230 bottles. And by the time you put it in the bottle, it's then stamped and it says this whiskey is 18 years old or 15 years old and no longer ages. So the intrinsic value of its age stops as soon as it's bottled. That's why it's important that when you want to invest in whiskey, you ideally want to invest in it when it's still in the cask because every year that you hold on to it adds an extra notch to the belt of the whiskey obviously being more rare because it's older and also the taste matures 
and refines itself each year as well whilst it's in the cast, but that stops happening when it's put into the bottle. Bottles are very, very speculative. You know, bottles do move in price based on hot topic demand, you know, what flavor of the month type of thing. But if you're talking about fundamental investing, something that's a bit more consistent with a longer track record, you generally want to stick to only investing in cars. Maxwell Knee's making it sound like bottles of whiskey might not be as valuable as casks of whiskey. The key similarities is the maturation process. Just like the wine market in which as the wine matures, not only is there less and less of it in the market, but it also changes its flavor profile. And as it matures, people desire that aged taste. Uh, it's very similar in the whiskey market too. Hear about 18-year-old whiskeys they usually brand the age of the whiskey on there. Not only do the older whiskeys command a premium on price, but they're also more rare because there's just less of it to go around. It does appreciate and change as an asset as it goes older. And also the second one is the supply gets more and more scarce as it gets older and more of it gets consumed. The key difference though, is that whereas the maturation process for wine happens in the bottle after it's been bottled and corked, for whiskey, it all happens within the barrel. So this is before the whiskey ever sees a bottle. Most of the color and flavor is actually from the time in the barrel. It's because you can read most of the appreciation in the barrel before it's actually ever bottled and sold to the wider market. Rare whiskey's progress has been slowing, with such bottles rising only 3% in value last year, far below inflation levels around the world. As for casks of whiskey, a good annual return would be 8 to 12%. According to some forecasts, the whiskey industry will hit 105 billion US dollars by 2027, driven largely by Scotch whiskey, but also by growth in Japanese and US offerings. So there's still hope, and Anthony Chang from Vinovest would agree. We're absolutely seeing that as a positive outlook. Even big retailers such as Costco, Walmart, Aldi, they're really big on not only being able to stock more, both in domestic markets as well as in international markets, but they've also done a lot of what we call white labeling their own alcohol. For example, Walmart has their own white labeled Walmart brand. Costco has their signature. So we're seeing more and more of these huge conglomerates start to get into the alcohol business themselves. And that means that Players like Vinovest, where we essentially act as that capital arm between the distillers and the end brands, there's a big, big need for companies like us because a Costco or a Walmart is not going to make their own whiskey. They only want to focus on what they know, which is marketing to their customers. And then on the distiller side, they only want to focus what they know, which is the agricultural production side. So there exists this sort of larger and larger gap as we're seeing the market look to expand. You know, we're helping to give them an opportunity to buy from a distiller, hold on to it for X amount of years, and then sell to a brand. Still to come, what if you're a drinker of whiskey? Could you part with your prized collection just for profit? More in a moment. Senior correspondent Ben Paul shares his analysis and insight on market trends and corporate issues in Mark to Market every second Monday of the month with your trusted partner for financial information. Go to bt.sg podcasts to download. And now, back to Money Hacks from the Business Times. We've been talking about investing in a drink that's been enjoyed for centuries. Whiskey, with Anthony Chang, co-founder and CEO of Vinovest, and Maxwell Nee, Managing Director of Owino Wine and Whiskey Investment Fund. 
There is a difference between wine and whiskey investing, and a difference in whiskey between investing in bottles and casks of whiskey. Let's see if there's a difference between investing in whiskey if you're a drinker of it versus you just want to invest. Here's Maxwell Nee. I'm personally a whiskey drinker. I've always seen it as if you do invest in whiskey, you get two benefits. You either get to make money from your passion and be on the sell side, but also when you invest in whiskey, what you're doing is you're essentially buying what you like to drink earlier at a cheaper price. So you got two options to exit. You could either drink it yourself or you could exit it with your investment partner. For folks who do have a passion or an enthusiasm for whiskey, you know, this is also something that can get you a lot closer to something that you love. We intentionally keep it in barrels and keep it in our secured warehouses so that a lover of whiskey is not tempted to taste some of their own investment at home. And in addition to that, we also offer an experiential component. So at certain levels and tiers, we've invited our clients to actually visit their whiskey barrels or scotch barrels in Scotland, in the States where we store them. So it's also a one of a kind way to be able to get closer to your investment. It's the equivalent of saying, oh, if I own Tesla, I get invited to a Tesla factory to go see the factory tour if, if I own enough shares. That doesn't happen in the public markets, but you know we see this as offering a complete experience for folks who either just purely for due diligence want to be able to see the facilities or more from a passion and education standpoint as well. Hmm. I'm surprised both Anthony and Maxwell before him sound like whiskey drinking investors would be so willing to part with their investments without having a taste. Or would they? Yeah, so that happens all the time with both whiskey and wine. It happens with art investors as well, classic car investors, rare watch investors. These assets become a bit of like a trophy. And the biggest thing that we didn't see happening with our clients is that a lot of them want to hold on to their investments and their collections forever. So they will want to exit because anytime they share with a sommelier or a whiskey master at a bar, their portfolio of which we have like an app that we allow people to see their portfolio, the sommelier, the whiskey master, their jaws always drop because they say, wow, how did you get your hand on that cast or that bottle? And it becomes a pretty cool trophy to have that turns from an investment into a passionate trophy to keep at home. Anthony from VinoVest seems to think they could be more objective than that, depending on where they're at financially. We certainly position both wine and whiskey as defensive investments, right? It's mostly to preserve your wealth because in times like we saw in 2022, when the markets were down double digits, we saw positive growth in double digits, both the wine and the whiskey market. The lack of correlation, as well as the long-term nature and low volatility of whiskey, make it, in my mind, a defensive asset and one that can take place as one of the more long-term stable investments in somebody's overall diversified portfolio. Okay, let's get into the nuts and bolts of it. Is it worth investing in whiskey? And will it help investors during these volatile times? Maxwell seems to think so. Irish whiskey, last time I checked, was the drinking of it, the demand, growing at a compounding rate of about 5 6%. You know, Scotch whiskey exports alone grew by 37% last year. That's more than a third, and that's the export market. So the export market doesn't just want more of this stuff. It also wants more of it at a higher price because the export market pays a much higher price compared to the local market. The American market is growing at about 6-7% a year, and all the while, 
production for all of these markets are growing by zero, if not maybe one, maybe 2%. So demand is constantly outstripping supply, which keeps pulling the price up. You know, these are consumer goods. The investment grade stuff that I would put our clients into are in the top 1% of production for all of these. So they sit in what I call the luxury economy. And the luxury economy is a great place to be for any type of investment. You know, if you look at the second richest person in the world, it's the godfather of luxury, Bernard Arno, who's a CEO of LVMH, the Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy Group. He's done very well in the last few years because he's in the luxury economy in this bubble of where his client base are far less susceptible to movements in inflation rates, taxes, regulation all around the world. So with all those elements in the right place, that's what really helps to have a whiskey investment outperform the normal market. Anthony does too, but would caution against not looking deeper and only going with what you know or think you know. Remember he talked about Irish, Japanese and American whiskies? So Scotch and I think Japanese whiskey to an extent have been extremely global in the past you know, 10, 20 years. But American whiskey has primarily been made and consumed in America. Do they even compare to Scotch whiskey? But wait, Maxwell agrees. Because it's the most famous, it's the one that has all the status in all the movies, lawyers, you know, bankers, very wealthy people are drinking them in almost every movie nowadays. But the market's so much bigger than that. Because if you were to hire me as an investment manager to help you invest in whiskey, and all I did was I put you into a Macallan cast or a Macallan bottle, which is a bit like the Ferrari of the whiskey world, right at the top of the pyramid, then that's like going to a hedge fund manager who just puts you into Apple. <laughs> or Facebook. They're not really working that hard. So we love to work a little bit harder and really, really look for the undervalued, overlooked, hidden gems in the market in places you would absolutely not think of first when you think of whiskey investment, places like Ireland, places like America, especially. My personal favorite whiskey investment that's in my portfolio is a wholesale producer in America that's been doing it for a very, very long time. Their end product is used in about 10, 20 plus other brands as a key blend ingredient, which means that when you invest in them, you're diversified in terms of who's going to be consuming your bottles, which is a bit like investing in a VC fund, right? You know, when you put $1,000 or $100,000 into a VC fund, they put you into 20 other companies because the goal is that. Yeah, some of those might not do so well, but your risk is spread across 20 other companies and you don't have a single point of failure. And how good an idea is it to go at it on your own? One could say they drink whiskey, no whiskey, like whiskey, would be good at investing in whiskey. You want to be working with a manager that's got a track record of performing and outperforming the market because you could buy a whiskey investment anywhere in the world from anyone. But who helps you to buy that investment at what timing? Who gives you that advice at which price? And timing of the market is what will help you be the difference between an 8% return and a 15% return. In terms of the market as a whole, if you don't see demand dropping or supply enormously increasing, people are still drinking these assets, that should still hold the return profile over the same level as what we have seen in the past. Anthony points out, though, if you're investing in casks of whiskey on your own, just so you can have a taste once in a while, it may not be the best idea. Yeah, you're owning something that's young, and the responsibility for Vinovest is to make sure that that cask 
is aged properly, right? Is in the right conditions, is going to be the right type of product for this type of brand who wants it in the next three to five years. So that's the risk that at any point, this cask could get too cold, too hot, not the right condition, get too low in alcohol. Those are all the things that we need to control for in the warehouse to make sure that the condition is stable as it matures. When they're looking at the years that you see on the label, it refers to the cask, how long it's spent to it. The more stable option is to invest into the cask of the barrels. But to this date, until we've been around, it hasn't been very easy to do that. Most people don't have the space, expertise, or the licensing to be able to buy an entire cask and, and store it at their house. Much easier to store a bottle, which is why I think we decided to focus on the higher barrier to entry, the more stable investment to be able to bring to the masses. Cheers to that. I'm sticking to soda, to be honest. Thank you to Anthony Jung, co-founder and CEO of VinoVest, and Maxwell Nee, managing director of the Owino Wine and Whiskey Investment Fund. Next time, we talk about loans. Are they really as bad as they've been made out to be? Join us next time to find out. This has been Money Hacks from The Business Times. I'm Howie Lim. This is a podcast by The Business Times. Find more BT podcasts at businesstimes.com.sg slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.